Welcome to the Middle Class to Millionaires podcast, a no-nonsense show designed to help you punch fear in the face and create the life you've always dreamed of. Now, here are your hosts, Vince and Christian. Hey everyone, welcome to Middle Class to Millionaires. I am your super, super handsome host, Vince, with my... Again, More handsome. More uh, handsome. Eh. Most, most handsomest, actually. I don't think that works. Yeah. Anyways, it, it's me, Christian, your other host. And we are all recording separately in our trucks in different locations. I'm in Henderson, Texas. Alex, where are you at? I'm over here in the uh, Keller Hazlitt area. Christian, you at your house? Yeah, mid-cities. Nice. Yeah, so uh, let's just get right into it. Uh, I said Alex... He, uh, Alex Laredo is our uh, guest on today's show. This dude's story um, is going to inspire you. You might cry. I cried. So uh, before I, I, I'll let you introduce yourself, Alex. But the way that this all came about, um, I think, a, man, maybe a month ago, I, uh, I invited Mr. Christian here to go eat with me, but he, he uh, declined because he was a jerk visiting his storage <laughs> facility. I was busy. <laughs> Which is actually where I'm at, at mine. Um, So I went to uh, this restaurant by myself, and I walked in, and I see uh, Alex sitting there, and uh, he waves at me. I wave at him, and and we uh, uh, sat down together, or I sat down with him and had lunch. And I've known Alex for, what, probably two years now? Probably, yeah, more on a personal level, but I think we've crossed paths multiple times over. Since Gateway, or just our culture? Gateway, I think, marriage today, maybe a couple times. Um, okay. So I got to really hear, hear Alex's story, which is what we're going to talk about today. And holy crap. It's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, let's just jump in. Alex, tell us, uh, tell us about yourself, your upbringing. Tell us who you are. We want to know yeah. you. Uh, I, I grew up in a very... Um, loving home. I uh, grew up in a Catholic home, so uh, there there was a a a underlining performance that was pretty adamant about growing up in a in a, in a home like mine. Um, my father um, met my mom in college, and and my dad always had a dream to become a professional soccer player. So he, when he met my mom in college, he put that on the shelf, and at some point, whenever they married and had, he had a son he obviously um had a desire to to coach and to coach me um playing soccer so i grew up playing soccer um fast forward uh, after my dad had put me through you know several ways he to, to train me i trained for odp i trained uh, 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 uh traveling back and forth uh from mexico uh, Mexico City, you know, all all of my teens from uh, the the from what I can remember, it was just eat, breathe, live soccer. Everything else came second. <laughs> and and uh, later on in life, um, I, I kind of began to get burned out, and um, decided to tell my dad that I was going to pull the plug and go a different direction in terms of sports, which was was football, American football, and um, and this all happened my senior year uh, in high school. Um, he wasn't very happy, but as you can imagine, he respected it. Um, this is kind of where a lot of the 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 things started kind of unraveling in my life because I started to look internally to see how I could, you know, fit in as a kid. You always wanted to try to fit in. You wanted to uh, do whatever it takes to to be popular and cool, and this is kind of around the time that uh, I um, I started hanging around with just the wrong crowd, uh, experimenting with drugs, alcohol, women, pornography, um, and just the list goes on. Uh, senior year, two thousand five, July of two thousand five, uh, I got invited to. Um, uh, so that's that's that pretty much wraps up my upbringing. 
now sure. transitioning now transitioning into kind of what happened um the night that i committed the crime that led to my salvation um so that i i ended up going to a high school party july of 2005 i'm a senior i transitioned and transferred over from ld bell to trinity high school to play football um got invited to a party uh wrong place wrong time uh in a spirit of transparency a fight broke out it was over a girl it was their word against mine three of them against me uh, by the time I was able to snap back into reality, I was already in the back of a cop car being arrested for aggravated assault with a deadly weapon. Uh, oh, I, didn't really, I didn't really know what to what to expect, let alone even what to think. I'm 17 years old. Um, I haven't I hadn't finished high school yet. I'm a senior. And and looking back now to Alex, who was 17. I mean, there were so many things I would have told myself uh, that night. One would have been to walk away. A choice. Uh, a choice. I had a choice, and I could have walked away, and I chose not to. And it changed the next 13 years of my life um, that night. So what happened, what happened after um, that night when you got arrested? So obviously, uh, I, 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 uh, I got arrested. My, my father... Uh, bailed me out uh, the following day, um, and the process started. We we started searching for attorneys. Uh, I was being charged for man. It's been so long. I want to say it was a second degree. It's a second degree felony, aggravated assault with a deadly weapon, a very serious charge. And by the time I we found an attorney and uh, spent my my uh, my parents spent. Uh, an ungodly amount of money to try their best to get the charges dropped or let alone keep me out of prison. I was um, I was 21 years old. And that it was actually around the time that I had met my who is my wife today, who is my girlfriend at the time, which is probably a, 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 a different part of the story later on. But um, so it took him four years to try you. It took him four years to try. Wow. Me. Yes, sir. They were trying really hard to uh, to to charge me the full amount of what my sentence carried, which was 20 years. Um, praise God, they didn't. By the time I went to trial, which was on April 18, 2008, they found me guilty for six years. Um, when you have a an aggravated charge or any kind of aggravated crime, you're required by law to uh, to do half of the sentence before you even can see parole, and that's not even guaranteeing that. Um, that I'd come home, and so April 18, 2008, uh, I get found guilty. They immediately they arrest me on the spot. They take me to the back, and they transport me to a holding cell offsite, and that's where I spent the next um, 180 days. Um, I wish I could tell you what I, what I was thinking. I I don't. I had never been in trouble like that ever. Like uh, I, I, I've never been in jail longer than one day, and so I immediately do what I I think any person would do. They, they, they go back to every movie they could think of, <laughs> Shawshank <laughs> Redemption, any any book to see. That's how, such a good movie. <laughs> yeah, to see how you can mentally start preparing for the potential opportunity moving forward to make the best of it. At this point, oh, I thought you were going to say I, to make an escape, <laughs> like prison break. Hey, I, I'd be lying to you if I told you it didn't, it didn't cross my mind. But I, I realized at that point, I mean, I gotta, I gotta make better choices, man. Um, so I, I, I wish I, I mean, I knew at that point in my life, I knew God, I, I knew that there was a God. I just never had a personal relationship with Christ. I grew up in a Catholic home, so God to me, uh, growing up was just someone that man. He's just there to tell you when you're doing life wrong, and he's there to reprimand you. Um, it wasn't someone that was receptive or open to love or, um, you know, I just didn't have a personal relationship with Christ. And so, like any person in there at some point to kill time, they open up the Bible. And the first scripture that I opened up to was in Romans in chapter 5, verse 3, where it talks about to kind of count it all joy about the trials that you're going through. And so I... I was there for the next 180 days 
and that's where get, that's where God started uh, a work in my heart. And fast forward closer to the end of the 180 days, they didn't really typically call church. They called church one uh, one night. I went out. Uh, they showed a movie about a woman that was on trial for death row, and she was being put to death. And yet she, the only thing I can try to explain from what I remember is that she was happy that she was going home. And she was completely okay for the fact that she um, she was about to die. And it kind of, it, it started, it was like, I started thinking, I was like, how can someone that is on death row about to die be at that level of peace? It, it confused me. I didn't understand. Yeah. And uh, at that point in, in my, in, in 180 days in, dude, I, I can't even describe the level of pain and fear that I was feeling. I was 21 years old facing six years of prison time. And uh, all I could tell you is that everyone that's telling me where I'm going to end up is bad. I'm, I'm, I'm there that I'm because of the nature of my crime, I was going to end up in a maximum security unit around dudes that are, are, are hardcore. And so the only thing that I, I think anyone would do is you, you, you really put, to, put God to the test. And so I, I found a corner in the gym where, where we were holding church and I put my hand, I put my head inside of my jumper and I pretty much, I uttered these words uh, out in my, in my mind, more importantly in my heart. I said, God, if you really are the God of second chances, I don't have much to give you, but I, I, I'll give you my heart and give you my life. And that's kind of, that's kind of where it all started. I didn't even really know what I said, but I said it and I felt it and I meant it. I kid you not, about a week later, I get a visit from my father and he's in like tears and he and, and he couldn't even he couldn't even say it so he had to write it with a sticky note and put it on the glass and he said you're coming home at this point in time anyone that is 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 preparing to spend the, the next six years of his of his life in a maximum security prison you're already trying to 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 cover up emotions and put on a mask to to not show what you're about to experience emotionally and so I really didn't know how to process what he told me. Honestly, I didn't believe it because my mind was already in the fact that I was I was going to prison. I wasn't getting out. And I get a I get a visit the following day. And uh, oh no, I'm sorry, I'm missing a huge part of the story. Uh, no one shows up. I get on the bus. I'm really I'm literally in shackles, changed my clothes on my way to the Texas Department of Criminal Justice. And before the bus pulls off, the guard gets back on the bus and he says, is there an Alex Laredo on the bus? And I when said, yes. I mean, this was in 2000. And well, I mean, what part of the story is this? This is still the beginning. This is the part where my dad, uh, uh, the day before, had come and saw me and said, hey, you're coming home. I found an attorney oh, that's going to get okay. you out. The next day, no one shows up. I'm already on the bus on my way to, 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 the, to TDC. The text department of criminal justice, God, and the guard gets back on the bus and it says, "Is there an Alex Raid on the bus?" I, I said, "I am. I'm here." They take me off and they put me in a holding cell for about I think 22 hours. I'm sitting in a holding cell. I see the drug. I see the bus drive off, and I'm like, "Man, what is going on?" About 30 minutes later, an attorney comes and sees me and lets me know that, that there's been a bond that's issued for me and they're releasing me. <laughs> I was like. And you got to here's the part I want to make sure you guys understand when someone is found guilty, I was technically already sentenced, convicted and owned by the, the Texas Department of Criminal Justice. There wasn't any getting out. And so they let me out on what's called an appeal bond to where I'm still convicted. I'm on I'm 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 I'm, I'm technically still owned by the Texas Department of Criminal Justice. But because of the nature of my crime, it was under 10 years. I wasn't a flight risk, and the nature of my crime wasn't considered a, a sexual crime. They let me out to continue fighting for a retrial uh, on the street um, to spend time with my family. Uh, but here's the part I want to I wanna make sure is heard. The attorney told me, he said, look, I can't guarantee that I'm going to be able to, to get you a retrial, but I, what I can guarantee is I'm going to be able to buy you another year and a half of freedom 
to spend with your family before you have to go back to prison potentially. So I got out and and I'm still kind of shocked about everything that's happening. The only thing I can think of like, God, is this you? Is this you showing up in my life right now? And if it's you, what are you trying to tell me? I didn't really, I didn't, I didn't know much. I didn't, I didn't know what to expect. So I, I, I dove back into kind of my upbringing. I started performing. And so I started acting right. I started checking off all the boxes. I got a job, stay out of trouble, stop going out, stop drinking, stop hanging around with the wrong people. But that only lasted so long. That expired to the point to where pride kind of set in and said, you know what? I'm not going to go back to jail. I'm going to be fine. And and then I bought into a lie and I said, and I, I bought into a lie and I began to question God. And sure enough, a year, a year and a half comes up. And at this point, I had met Renee, who is my wife today. And I just found out that uh, we were pregnant with our son. I didn't know I was having a son yet, but I, we were pregnant. And my attorney uh, emails me and said, hey, we have to schedule a meeting immediately. They've issued a warrant for your arrest. You have to turn yourself back in. We've lost the appeal. And this is Thanksgiving. This is Thanksgiving of now 2009, almost 2010. And I, I, I didn't tell anyone. I kind of sat on the email. I didn't respond for about a few weeks. And I made the announcement to my family and to my girlfriend who was now my fiance. I had proposed to her and, 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 and told them. I got to turn myself in. I've lost the appeal. And um, obviously a lot of emotions, a lot of feelings. Um, since I knew that I was having a, uh, a child, I didn't know I was having a son uh, at the moment. I immediately turned myself in. Um, and uh, before I, w- I, I caught chain to, to uh, the Texas Department of Criminal Justice, my wife, my fiance came and saw me and showed us that showed me in the glass window that we were having a son. That is probably where I, at any given moment in time in life, I would have gone to alcohol or drugs or anything to escape the reality of what I was feeling in that moment, which was very painful. I didn't have access to those. And so I invited the Holy Spirit into my heart and asked him to take the pain away. Um, it all happened so fast. I got on the bus. I was in prison the next day. And from 2000, uh, the end of 2009, all the way until the end of 2000, uh, to the beginning of 2014, I was, uh, I was incarcerated. Now, when we, when we had lunch, um, you told me about, you, you got placed in solitary confinement, right? Correct. Do you want to share what, what happened in that moment? Of course. So I, uh, from the from day one in prison to the day that I came home, I was on one, two, three, five different prisons they moved me to. But the predominant one that I was on the, the longest was for about two and a half years or less, somewhere on there, two years, two and a half years. And it was out there in Beaumont, close to uh, to Livingston in Houston area. And it was a maximum security unit. And this unit is actually categorized as a disciplinary unit where they send all the uh, the, the felons that are considered high risk. How I got there, I don't know. It was all part of the plan now looking back. Yeah. But at that point in, in time, I was already calloused. I was I was numb. Um, I had put on a good amount of weight because of, I, was, I began to kind of work out. I began to fit into the stereotypical looking inmate. I had shaved my head. I, I, uh, I, had, I had done everything that I, I, I needed necessary to survive. And, and at, also at that point in time, my wife, we had gotten married by called marriage by proxy. Someone stood in place for me. Uh, 
and my wife and I and I got we got married before my son was born, and then six months later is where she sent me divorce papers, and that's the point where I was at a stage in my life to where I would much rather feel the pain versus experience the emotional pain. I provoked inmates to fight me because I just I didn't want to feel what I was feeling, and that is what led me to a to solitary confinement, and that is also what led me to completely surrendering my life to Christ. I was in solitary confinement for 180 days. Jeez, um, and how many hours a day did you get to see sunlight? Uh, one hour. <laughs> Holy cow. One hour. Um, that is if I, if I was up in time and if I chose to uh, take on that one hour of sunlight. I, I was pretty low at that point, man. I, I didn't, I didn't I, that was my bottom. Um, that is where I completely came to the end of myself. And at that point, I was already in prison for almost three years. So I'd been wow. through a lot already. I can't even imagine. I think a part of the success, too, not to get off track, is at that point, I've, I learned to adapt to my surroundings and my cultures and the environment pretty easily. Because there's a lot of moving around, you're a lot of different people, there's gangs, there's just a lot going on in prison. And so immediately I, I start working out, I start reading, I do everything I can to kill the time. Um, probably about 100 days in or so, uh, I finally start reading my Bible. And the only thing that I could logically, you know, think of to read is that I need, a, I need my mind to escape the reality of what is around me. And so I just started going through the Bible on everything I talked about the mind and thoughts. There's a lot in there. <laughs> and there's a lot in there. You had plenty so, of time to find it, huh? Yeah. <laughs> so in one of the scriptures where it, uh, the Lord spoke, and it, it said specifically, it talks about somewhere in Hebrews about that he calls you his son. And that's where I kind of kind of I shut the Bible in frustration. I said, how in the world? Can you even consider me a son, let alone love me after everything that I've done? I mean, look where I'm at. How how can you love me after everything that I've done? And I didn't really hear anything. I didn't really feel anything. But my next question to the Lord was not only that, you've given me a son who I can't father and I don't even know and I've never even met, let alone how am I even going to, how am I? How am I going to be a dad? I don't even know how to be one. And before I could even finish that sentence, I'm looking at myself. It's a, it's like a metal. It's the closest thing to a mirror. And I'm talking back to myself. And before I could even finish that sentence, he spoke to my heart and he said, before you can become a father, you must become my son first. Mm -hmm. and dude, I, just, I just remember collapsing to my knees. Shoot. I think when you told me that at the restaurant, I think I started tearing up, which I, I cry a lot, but that, that, that hit me when you said that at the restaurant. That's so good. It's, it still hits me today, man. I can't even get it out without getting that knot in my throat. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's the part where I, I officially in my heart, I mean, I put on a good front. I, I looked good from the outside looking in, but in my heart, I truly believed that he loved me. Or God, of my circumstances or, or the things I had done, let alone my surroundings. He saw me as a son, and that was it. Bottom line. He loved me. And that is a, that is a, that is a, a kind of love that I, I had never experienced in my entire life. You know, an unconditional, unmerited, agape love that no matter what you do, son, I love you, and I'm here for you. I've never experienced that. And uh, yeah, that's kind of so where it all good. started. So, Alex, when we were at uh, lunch, you told me that you were being told a lot in prison that you wouldn't amount to anything, which yeah, I can, uh, can't even imagine the stuff that you heard even from inmates or even prison guards because, you know, uh, we've only seen the movies. You've actually lived it, but I'm sure the guards weren't probably the nicest people there. So uh, <laughs> they, were, they, were, they were very nice and very pleasant to live with. <laughs> I sense a little sarcasm. <laughs> So uh, they're so they're being so you're you're being told probably daily that you're not going to amount to anything, uh, that you're just a screw up. Like, how did that make you feel, and what made you rise above that to become the successful businessman that that 
those of us who know you are today? Yeah, I mean, uh, the the second that I step foot in prison, man, they they break you down. They break you down to to emotionally, mentally, physically. They do every everything they can without actually putting their hands on you to to break you down. And they even they even actually make us look all the same. They shave our heads. They put us in the same clothes. We have to walk in the same line, eat the same food. Sounds like I mean, repro boot camp. <laughs> yeah, well, that's kind of where. I, so, uh, to my point, I mean, uh, you guys had a choice to 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 serve your country, which I would have loved if I had that choice, but they didn't For give sure. that to me. Yeah. But they they broke me down, and um, the things that they tell you are, you know, you're no longer a a human being. You are a number. You're and I own you, and because I own you, you mean nothing to me more than the dirt in the bottom of my shoe. I mean, they just, they, they break you down and, and they said that you're just, that you're, you're, uh, one of the things that stood out to me, I never forget is that they're, they says, if you're taking up my oxygen, something to that nature is that you don't even deserve the oxygen you're breathing right now. You're never amount to be anything. That's so terrible. And I was like, obviously I, I, that recorded in my mind and I played it over and over and over and I still hear it but the difference today versus then is I f- I'm fully aware that that wasn't him speaking that that was the enemy yeah he wanted he wanted to take me out and take me out all the way and so the the fundamental like just the fire inside of me comes from the fact that 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 and I'm the, his name is officer Gary I even remember his name is I remember that and that the fundamental lining of the fire inside of me is it says you know what I have a choice and I can choose to believe that or not and I believe that I am something I am the son all my sins are washed away and I am going to be a successful husband father and wherever God chooses to place means in in whatever season I'm in I'm going to be the best at wherever he places me so I had to, I adopted, I partnered with that mindset where it says, don't work for people, work as if you're working unto the Lord. And so wherever I was in prison, whatever job I had, uh, whatever I was doing to, to, to educate myself, whatever book I was reading, you name it, I was doing it as if I was working to the Lord and it was to honor I him. That. I love that. And, when I was at marriage today, I didn't mean to interrupt you. This is just really good. When I was at marriage today, I came to a point where I was kind of tired of being there. Nothing against the, the ministry. I was just ready to work for myself. And uh, I put a verse up on my screen. I think it's the one that you were just saying, I think it's from Colossians. I could be completely wrong. But it's whatever you do in word or deed, do into the Lord. And so I just had to had that same mindset that you're just talking about. You know, I may not want to be here right now because I wanted to work for myself, but this is where I'm supposed to be. So let me do the work as if I'm doing it for the Lord. 100%. So I... I... That is the thought that I kept at the front of my mind, my frontal cortex, and I, it stayed there. And here's what's interesting. If we read the story of Joseph, at some point, he's second command in prison. At some point, Joseph's like the second command in prison. If there's anyone's story that I related to the most, it was Joseph. Because I, I was at the bottom of where I, where, I, where I was working from prison all the way to working for the warden in high security and i'm fetching his food making his coffee cleaning his office taking out the trash it's kind of it made me giggle at at one point i'm like this is about as free as i'm going to get here in prison so i I, the, the only thing i wanted to try to paint in terms of this picture is that in my heart wherever i was at whether i was working for the warden or or wherever God had me, I was working as if I was working towards him. That is that is always my mentality and the way that I live my life in prison. I wanted to I want every decision, every choice that I made, I wanted to honor him and I wanted to I wanted to work as if it, if he was my boss and I was working for him. I still have moments today where I really gotta I gotta sit down and remember, you know what? Um I am a son of God. Uh, I am. I have value. He loves me. I'm not who I used to be. I'm not. I'm not what happened to me in prison. 
and you know i'm not a convicted felon so i i still have moments today to where i gotta rearrange my thoughts and redirect my thinking but it, it hurt man it was painful everything everything that could have happened to me to to take me out and set me back from 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 early on was drugs alcohol porn and women then it was prison then everything that comes from a prison environment and then being delivered divorce papers while in prison uh the biggest one that, that hurt the most was the fact that i was a father but yet didn't know how to be one um i and then deep down i had a desire to really make good choices and and i think every guy at some point in age they want to believe that they're, they're going to be a good father and a good husband yeah and 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 so i even though i wasn't there in the flesh for my son and there in the flesh who at this point was now my my ex-wife or soon to be ex-wife in my heart i wanted to believe that you know at some point i'm going to be a husband and at some point i'm going to be a father to my son and i want to do it as best i know how to so i invited the holy spirit to teach me and i i want to i want to paint this in a way to where all of that is where came where success came when i focused on my relationship with christ and believed the things that he said about me as a son and and partner with my identity as, as a son in christ from that manifested obviously uh, a good employee uh, a good husband uh, a good father i mean everything i do today in terms of my choices can is rooted in my relationship with christ and who i am as a son to him yeah. um i i i didn't i didn't have a lot of options for work when i got out so I just did whatever I, I did whatever I could to to make yeah. a buck. Um, in my heart, I didn't want to go back to the corporate world, so I immediately started volunteering for Gateway Church, and the I wasn't really after a paycheck or a dollar at this point in my life. I was after the the value that comes from understanding who you are in Christ, and I was after all the. Uh, the resources that I knew that Gateway had to help me back, bounce back into reality and become, you know, uh, uh, a law-abiding citizen, if you will. Um, Gateway had a tremendous amount of resources. They provided me a, a day one out of prison. Um, I mean, I've lost count. And even the relationship that God provided me, whether it was for that moment or for a season, uh, I had several guys that spoken to me as a father, uh, uh, several and and which led to from volunteering for gateway and become an employee for gateway part-time and then becoming an employee part-time to full-time and then remarrying my ex-wife we got remarried and then obviously the pressure was on it's like okay i love working for a, a church and i love ministry but how am i going to support and feed my family yeah um it was tough i mean because i I, I I have that I have to check off that box in every application, no matter where at, ministry or not, I gotta check off that box. Hey, are you a felon and have you been in prison? Yes, I have. Um, and so I, I I've lost count of how many times I've had to explain that story, which is also a huge part of the reason why I wanted to work for myself. I got tired of telling that story, man. I wanted to tell it more through the way that I was living my life, not from my past and what happened to me and why I got there. Yeah, um, it's beautiful. And 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 I, I I lost count of how many jobs I had, and it wasn't because I got fired. I was always being promoted wherever God had me, whether I was in sales, customer service. Uh, if I'm going to throw names of companies, a discount tire, men's warehouse, selling aftermarket accessories for trucks and jeeps, tires, wheels, you name it. Uh, again, I continue to, to to partner with that mindset. Hey, I'm going to sell as if I'm, I'm 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 working for the Lord. Everything I do, I want it to have value on the relationship, not a transaction. So, a lot of of lo a lot of what I continue to do in terms of choices, I sought after the relationship, and the dollar followed. Nothing was transactional for me, uh, as it used to be uh, before prison. It was all uh, rooted in the relationship even to my to my wife and my kids and at some point i had i, I had an opportunity that I was that it was, i was faced with uh it came with a little bit of fear it came with a little bit of worry but when i jumped in looking back today i i 
I've been able to provide f- more for my family this year and last year than I have my entire life. Um, and this is the first time I've been able to tap into financial freedom to where now I can start cr- creating opportunities to where my dollar is working for me versus my time. Mm, I love that. And we're huge on that. I think we talk about that every single episode. That's so good. So I think what one of the things that we skipped at the very beginning, and then Christian, I'll kick it to you, is Alex uh, has a roofing and construction company uh, that we, I guess you kind of launched that. Was that um, was that last year, right. right? At that business group that we were part of? Yeah, I had just started it, but the official launch was like right smack in the middle of COVID. <laughs> Which is by by the earthly standards is the worst time to launch a business. But you you I won't share with everyone. But you told me what what you made last year, and uh, I'm not saying that I make a killing like we do well. But you made more than I made, and you just launched last year. And that yeah. that to me that rocked my socks off when you told me that. That was so awesome to hear that you're you literally just start a roofing company in DFW where there's 17 billion roofers. Yeah, and that's and being you, modest. <laughs> yeah, and you're crushing it. Yeah, it was. So uh, that's awesome, man. That that's. Um, I love your story, dude. You've been at this for maybe a year now, right? Yeah, June was officially one year. I've been doing this on my own as a business owner. Yes, sir. And you're crushing it. I love it, Christian. To you, sir. Uh, yeah, uh, Alex, we appreciate, man, that's such an awesome story. You know, a couple of things um, that have resonated with me. Uh, you know, I kind of had a, a similar, um, uh, I guess you could say, upbringing. You know, I, by, the time, by the time I was 17, I had been arrested twice. So I can't, you know, I didn't, I didn't get the, uh, the six years uh, that, you, that you did and what you faced. But, uh, you know, I had my, I've had my fair share of troubles and, I think one of the biggest things uh, from the beginning of your story is, is the, you know, the power of a decision, you know, one decision every single day, we are one decision from absolutely changing our life for the good or for the bad. And, um, you know, and, and like you said that, you know, you only got their, your six years out of what you're supposed to get. And, uh, so many times we, I, I've, I've been in situations where i you know, I've, I've, you know, had an angel looking over me and she probably should have, you know, had worse consequences, but just the importance of, of the decision, the decisions that we make every day, it, it's crazy the amount of like free will that we have here on this earth. And just, you know, I think it's super important to, you know, obviously once, once you're saved, your, your decision-making process, uh, completely changes, you know, you're, you're making decisions based on where you're aligned or, you know, your alignment with the Lord and his plan for your life. But, uh, uh, even, even, let's just say, even if you're not a follower, you know, building up, uh, uh, disciplined habits, um, you know, and having a vision will, ha- will allow you to make decisions that, that you may, you may have not been comfortable with in the past. Um, so, you know, you start making decisions, whether it's your finances, you start making thousand dollar decisions to million dollar decisions, you know, um, whether moving across country is right for you and your family. And so just, you know, just the power of a decision and how it, it seems so small because we make we make thousands of decisions every single day. Um, but each decision is huge if we put it in perspective. Uh, and then two, another thing I really liked was, uh, you know, your past doesn't define who your your future self is. Um, you know, that that's the biggest thing. So many people get so stuck uh, on on their past and the things, the decisions they've made in their past. And, you know, you know, with the right mindset, uh, you really can just blow past that. But but I think that's such a thing for people is, you know, the, the they allow their their past to dictate who they are now or who they will be in the future uh they they allow that negative thoughts of uh you know i'm not worth i'm not worth this because i've done this this and this or you know uh you know even, even it's a it's a struggle even for christians today you know uh 
I, one of the, I always had a hard time in the beginning of my walk because I was always making a wrong choice. And I was like, man, I'm never going to be perfect. I always thought, I always thought Christianity was, was to be perfect. perfect. <laughs> like, man, to be a Christian, you have to be perfect. And so I never called myself a Christian in the beginning because I was like, oh, well, I just did this, this, and this. There's, there's no way I can call myself a, a Christian because, you know, I always had a thing against the hypocritical Christianity uh, oh, of today. So I was like, man, I'm not a Christian. Um, but I, I really love that you, you, you know, you, your past doesn't define who you are and your perception of, of seeking, of seeking him in every decision, uh, with your just life and then with business, uh, in itself. So with that, um, uh, you know, a couple questions for you, uh, you know, what, I guess, in your past, what what lessons have you taken that have helped have helped your business um, today, uh, if any? You know, I know I know you spoke on uh, adaptability earlier, which is something that's pretty key in business because everything's always changing. Um, mm-hmm. But was there anything else that you could uh, you took from it? Man, I think what's helped me the most, especially with the the craziness that we're walking through today with the pandemic, is Things are in my world. I don't know about y'all's things are changing a lot faster than I can keep up with in terms of margins materials numbers I mean supplies Subcontractors are constantly changing. So uh, One of the key components that I learned pretty quickly early on in prison is that I had to be willing to adapt No matter where I wherever my feet were I had to be willing to adapt and to press um, My 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 whole life before Christ and before prison, if it was uncomfortable or if it even remoted to the, 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 the most minor pain, man, I ran to the bottle or I ran in the opposite direction. I avoided it at all costs. Uh, when I said yes to Jesus, I made a decision because I realized, you know, Jesus at some point, he... He asked if there was any other way, Father, please take this cup for me. But yet he still saved the course and I made it I made it personal. I mean, at that point, I said, you know what? He he went to the cross for me and he endured something that was I don't think anyone would understand the level of pain that he went through to die for us so that we could have life. So I told myself, you know what? I don't care if it's uncomfortable. I don't care how bad it hurts. I'm going to do it anyway. So in terms of business. Being able to adapt and press into all the hard stuff and doing the hard stuff, no matter what people tell you on what it's going to look like or how, how it's going to turn out, I did it anyway. Uh, and there's still hard stuff that's being presented to me every single day in business. But now the difference between me, uh, who I used to be, even when working for other employers, is no matter how hard it is or how painful it is, I'm going to do it. And even, hey, I don't know about you guys, but if it's going to cost me $10,000, that can come with some pain too, man. But, but, but if, I think, if I don't see that the, the, the value is in the dollar and the value is going to give me a return on my investment and give me more time with my family, I'm going to do it no matter what. So I think those two things today is what helped me, helped me be successful is that I needed to be, I needed to be willing to adapt and no matter how painful or uncomfortable it was or is, just do it. Yeah, awesome, awesome. Uh, yeah, that, that's those are definitely good good lessons to take. And you know, I, I think you know if one thing, uh, if not like like we were speaking earlier, not everyone has has a, a great past. But I think it the important thing is that you can take lessons from it, um, and and apply it to your business or whatever today um that that's the key part i mean even even in in lessons you learn getting into real estate you know vince's thirty thousand dollar lesson or whatever um you know he he's learned learned uh key aspects from that from that you know quote-unquote failure and has applied it to business and and how he and how he moves forward and so i think that's extremely key um in, in, in the entrepreneurial uh world and uh, uh, one one other question for you, you know, uh, if there was if there was one thing you could 
go back and tell yourself, uh, what, what would that one thing be? Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> that one or three thing. Um, this is probably not going to be business related. Actually, you know what? It could be. It, re- it very well could be. It's all good. They're either. Go, or both. If I, if I can go back to the Alex that was 17 on his way to that party, I would have told him to walk away um, and not engage into the argument in which led to the fight. Uh, pride was very heavy early on in my age. It still is. But thank, thank God it's not what it used to be. But if I could tell Alex at 17 uh, that night, I would have told him to walk away. It's not worth it. Definitely, definitely. You know, one of the things you said was you uh, you wanted to, to fit in, right? You wanted to, to be uh, liked by other people. Uh, and, you know, one of the things you learn as a business owner and someone who's extremely ambitious is that uh, you, what you do is not like any anybody else right you you are one of a kind there's very few people that are willing to risk so much you know every single day uh it's it's based on your performance and and being different really i mean if you think about it it, it's uh so you know that's something i think a lot of people should think about like you know stop first of all stop stop trying to please everybody uh because seriously that yeah. that's only going to take you so far you know if yeah. if you if you ever if you know me vince knows me i'm not a people pleaser uh, no you're not yeah. no i'm not a people pleaser <laughs> and uh you know of course you, I, i'm working on the uh the sympathetic side i'm trying to be more sympathetic i can be i'm, I'm empathetic for sure you know but you know, on the sympathy side but that's just because of the stuff that i've dealt with in my life and like for me it's like there's no excuse at all for for anything you know i i've 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 learned i think that applies to all three of us if i'm going to be a little transparent yeah Um, yeah yeah i I, I have empathy for sure you know especially having a almost four-year-old daughter and a two-year-old son and obviously my wife you know uh women tend to feel more i'm I'm pretty a big (laughs) uh, of a feeler but i do sometimes lack in the sympathy department uh because i'm just like i guess it just comes from the marine corps if i would have the marine corps i probably would feel this way but I'm just like like you, Grisham. Like, just suck it up. Yeah, we have a, yeah. a a saying in the army. It's embrace the suck. You know, it's like pretty much, <laughs> you know, it. Ev- all your all your um, your uh, service members around you are are you know sucking with you. So you just have to make the best of it. And yeah. uh, and that's that can be applied in business, right? Just you know, the business is like ups and downs all the time. You might have a fantastic year, and then the next year do not as well and you know you have different uh, challenges but you just got to get through it um you know that's that's definitely uh, well that's key. the thing that's the thing christian that we've talked about this before this is what sets successful business people apart is the people who are willing to do the hard things that other people aren't willing to do you know yeah. if, if you get hit, hit with something hard and you just give up okay then what right. you're never yeah, going like, like, to get further you know again i use this a lot because this was my seventy thousand dollar learning experience i could have easily been like dang this sucks i lost 30 grand i was gonna make 40 grand so i really lost 70 grand i should just go back to a day job because i'm not gonna be good in real estate and you know it went completely south i could be like well i'll just go back to my day job uh this isn't for me but i like you said christian i embraced the suck or as we say in the marine corps i adapted and i overcame and then you know god willing i i got to where i am today I'd like to add a little bit to that. I don't. I don't ever look for ways to speak uh, down on people or, you know, uh, I, I, what's the word I'm looking? I'm just gonna leave it at that. I, the roofing industry <laughs> is probably, in my humble opinion, one of the most cutthroat, eat or be eaten type of industries that you could probably dive into because it's unregulated. You can become a roofer overnight, and it's just it's crazy and. I won't say who who they were, but I I was I, I worked for about three different companies before I decided to step out on my own. And here's why: I would have never done that had I worked for someone that operated with 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 some level of you know integrity, character, but most importantly, pay your people, man, and pay them on time. And yeah. 
they still they're still there's they still owe me money and i at that point i could have said you know what i'm pulling out this is not what i thought it was going to be but i kept my eyes on the finish line i saw the potential i saw the margins i saw that if it was if it was being led by someone that had some kind of like uh business mindset that was wrapped around biblical components of 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 how you could do business it could be done right and which is why i started my own business is i could have i could have walked away three times it was a huge and, and at this point too i'm the i'm the breadwinner of the family i we made a decision in marriage that my wife would stay home with the kids so i had i had a choice to make dive in and start my own company or try to see if there's anyone out there that's being willing to to work for um and boy am i glad that i didn't give up man am i glad yeah. i didn't give up because looking back today oh dude it's i can't even put it into words yep that's phenomenal and that's why we do what we do at the end of the day is for more time with our family you know because yeah. in the end that's all that matters christian you got anything else uh, no, I think that's it. We appreciate you, Alex, coming on our podcast and telling your story and, you know, some, uh, some biz- uh, how you apply it to your business and your everyday life. I want to end on this, uh, guys. I'm, I'm, first of all, thank you for having me, man. I'm really honored that you guys would carve out the time and Vince to, to extend the invite for an opportunity to like just to kind of share my story, but most importantly, uh, about success in business. But it, it, one thing I would like to add to end on is that the whole reason why I wanted to share this is that all the pain that I experienced in life that came from good choice and bad choices, that that is actually the platform that that, that, uh, that God created that, that it provided me success. So pain created a platform that led to success. And another thing I left out is that at some point, my wife and I, we did end up getting a divorce, which added to the, the level of pain on top of everything else that I was facing, trying to readapt back into society. But with God's blessing and favor and me just staying the course, she ended up getting saved and we got remarried. And, and, and boy, again, I, I'm just so blessed and happy that no matter how hard life squeezed me, I stayed the course, whether it was in marriage, in life or in business. That's beautiful. Sweet. Well, Alex, it, it was uh, it was a pleasure having you on here, man. Thank you for taking your time to be with us today. Uh, hopefully everyone listening grabbed something from this. I mean, you have to. If you didn't, uh, something's wrong with you. <laughs> but uh, again, Alex, we appreciate your time. Thanks for being on the show, and we'll catch you guys on the next one. Likewise, guys. Thanks. This episode of the Middle Class to Millionaires podcast has ended, but be sure to subscribe for more tips and strategies on entrepreneurship, life, and business to help you create the life you've always dreamed of. Don't forget to rate and review so we can continue to bring you the best content on planet Earth.